Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. presenting sponsor for today's episode of the buffalo beat is visa a network working for everyone all right what's up everybody welcome to another episode of the buffalo beat my name is joe biscalia and with me after the games just like he is every week is matt bovey the sports director at wkbw channel 7 in buffalo the bills just demolished the Washington football team by a score of 43 to 21 a 22 point victory easily covering the spread hitting the over everyone rejoices but I think what people are mostly rejoicing about is probably the fact that the the franchise quarterback looked a lot more like the franchise quarterback so we'll get into all of that as we march forward through this podcast it's probably a very joyous one for you all because I, I do know there was a lot of concern uh, well, maybe not a lot. That's overstating it. Some. Some some concern over what the Bills looked like last week. And I actually really liked how the Bills sounded after that game because it's not as though they just wanted you to put your head in the sand and pretend like, oh, it's 35 nothing. What do you expect? I mean, it's five touchdowns. What do you want? What do you what more do you want? But the entire offense was like, no, we could have been better. And that that game could have could have uh uh, been out of hand quickly if they had gotten their stuff together. So um, that's basically and, what happened today. And, and they doubled down on it after today. And yeah. I don't want to look too much back into the rearview mirror, but we talked to Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders after the game today, and they both said they couldn't enjoy the 35 nothing win against Miami because they felt like they left way too much out there. And to hear a team be that self-aware about winning 35 nothing, but also realizing that the offense was not up to par is a good sign that they realize that the bar is high and they realize they're capable of much more, and we saw that today. Yeah, so the Bills defeat Washington 43-21. to um, It was a complete blowout, and the Bills dominated almost on every phase. Uh, the, the offense was spectacular. The defense, again, was spectacular. Uh, outside of one play and and really it put a lot of concerns at ease I think so I think the the place that we need to start because it was a reversal from what we had seen in the previous two weeks was the performance by Josh Allen now Allen went into this week um knowing that he needed to get back on track because it's been a couple weeks. And when it's a couple of weeks, it's a small sample size. When it gets to like three or four games, then it becomes a trend. And if you're not careful, a trend becomes your season. And for Allen to rectify what he had been doing poorly previously is a really important sign and a really important step for the Bills. Now, when you watched how he diced up this Washington defense. It was all there for him. I mean, of course, they were going to have some challenges, mostly because the Washington defensive line are a bunch of hellraisers. Like, you've got Jonathan Allen, who I think is one of the most underrated interior defensive linemen in the entire league. you got Chase Young and Montez Sweat on the outside. Deron Payne had a, had a great game. You knew they were going to win matchups uh, against the offensive line. But where there were opportunities... Because Washington plays so much zone is for them to, if he could sidestep some pressure, for him to pick apart the linebackers who aren't that great in coverage and the secondary who is not that great in coverage. And that's exactly what they did today. They they held to it um, that that player that he teased in spots against Miami, um, it came to play in a full game effort. It was just a... It was a job well done by Allen. He he did uh, more than anything, I think. 
he looked calm and poised. He stepped up into the pocket. He sidestepped pressure. He reset his base. He threw off a, a mostly even base. He just wasn't doing too much. And he took what the Washington zone gave him, and eventually it it afforded them shots downfield. So I thought it was a, a full mark performance by Josh Allen. And against a zone defense like that, very reminiscent of the game against the Rams last year, um, where where they just had to settle for the shortstop and then eventually hit him with stuff over the top. That's exactly what we saw against Washington. So it was a, it was a next-level quarterbacking game for him, I thought. Let's start at the beginning. It feels like I'm about to tell a story. Yeah, are you? So... Uh, sort of. They take a false start on the first possession of the game, and they're staring at a third and 15. And you're wondering, like, oh, goodness, is the offense going to stall out bad like we saw the last couple weeks? And he throws a dart to Gabriel Davis on a really nice play. Fast forward to the end of that drive, and that was like your typical 2020 ridiculous Josh Allen play where he sidesteps coverage and he threw a perfect pass to Emmanuel Sanders. He got out to the side. He put it where only Emmanuel Sanders could catch it. It was a really tough catch for Sanders, but he made the play. And that also goes to the fact that you've said here multiple times, they love Emmanuel Sanders. And that was evident today. And then just continue along this game. This It felt like last year because it felt like every time they had the ball, you knew they were going to move down the field and they were going to have a chance to score. If it was like third and five, Basically, you were like, okay, they're going to get a six-yard gain. That's kind of how it felt last year, and that's how it felt again today. He was able to avoid pressure when it was there. He really didn't run. I thought going into this game, that might be something they did a little bit because Daniel Jones had success rushing against the Washington football team when they played last year. But he spread the ball out. I don't think he really forced anything. And like you said, above all else, he looked comfortable. Mm-hmm. It did not look like he ever was overwhelmed by the pressure that Washington was sending, and it never felt like he made any of those big mistakes. There were throws that he left out there, but they're minuscule. When you put up 43 points and you throw for 358 yards, you don't hang on to those throws. And by the way, 358 yards, if this game was closer, they would have he would have gone over 400. Mm-hmm. This game was done in the second half. They really weren't pushing at that point. I mean, Mitch Trubisky ultimately came into this game. The offense was good. Josh Allen has said for two weeks that he needed to be better. He wasn't just better today. He was MVP caliber today. Yeah, he was. And a lot of the areas that he needed to improve upon is uh, were things that he instituted changes with. And that's that's a big thing that uh, I had talked about on, on the uh, preview pod coming into the game today and a lot of the you know the advanced stats research that I did um, uh, for a, an article that was posted this past Tuesday and then the film work going back and seeing okay here's what was happening now why is it happening and the things that unveiled themselves more than anything were the intermediate accuracy mm-hmm. from between 10 to 25 yards and just being completely falling off from what he had done previously like you you look at what he was last year in those areas of the field he was completing 62.5 percent of those passes and in the first two games he was completing 33.3 percent and it wasn't a huge huge amount of attempts but still enough of a spot to go okay well that is probably a good indicator of why he's struggling and then the other part of it was for some insane reason, he wasn't throwing to the right side of the field. Um, he only attempted on intermediate passes, intermediate to deep. He only attempted two passes to the right side of the of the hash marks. Only one of which going outside of the the right outside of the numbers, and uh, the only attempt outside of the numbers was incomplete. Now he he definitely changed that. He was throwing to his right side. There was even one at one point of the game. Um, Jerry Sullivan, the longtime uh, columnist at the Buffalo News now works for uh, Channel 4. Um, he was sitting right above me, and and all of a sudden he's like, Hey, Joe. I'm like, What's up, Sully? He goes, He's throwing right. I'm yeah, like, Somebody uh, tweeted at us, too. Did you catch I'm, that? No, I didn't. Somebody tweeted at us and said, Joe said that he hasn't been throwing to the right side of the field. And I almost feel like he listened because he's exclusively been throwing <laughs> to the right side well, of the field today. Well, that's where he he's money because when he's rolling to his right, that's when magical stuff kind of happens for him. And there were a couple of times where 
he sidestepped some pressure and the zone defense was actually playing pretty well and, and covering up the receivers. And because he rolled to his right, it brought the defenders off of where they originally were and opened up that zone over the middle. I think one of the recipients was Cole Beasley, went for a first down. That's the type of stuff. If he moves people with his legs, then he has the arm when he's rolling to his right to be able to capitalize on that. All three of the first touchdowns were to the right. Yeah. Emmanuel Sanders was to the right. Zach Moss was to the right. Dawson Knox was to the right. I think the second Emmanuel Sanders was to the left, but I'd have to double check. And then his run... Also to the right. Yeah, so this is not going to be like an issue. And it wasn't an issue in 2020 or 2019. Right on. It, it was just... Okay. <laughs> that was good. Right I'm, on. I might punch you for that. <laughs> um, it, this is a... I, don't, I didn't think it was a, tre- a trend forming or anything like that. It was just a thing to note as like, okay, why isn't this happening? And you try try to figure it out. I think the first week Daryl Williams might've had a, a big something to do with that because TJ Watt was just dominating him. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't think it was a cornerback issue or anything like that. He was just, even a lot of his reads, his first reads were taking him to the left and it was, it was just very interesting. So they, they got back to basics and I thought he did a great job today of going through his progressions when he had the time to, and everything like that. But the thing that stands out about Josh Allen more than anything with these types of performances is another is another thing that we uh, we talked about on the podcast on Friday. It's Allen has proven time and time again when he screws up and does things really poorly the week before, he has the self awareness to uh, identify and identify what needs to change. He doesn't have the arrogance to think that he's not going to change. He works diligently to institute those changes. And by the and a lot of these are like mechanical mm-hmm. and and it just these things that you can't you don't usually see quarterbacks fixing this quickly. And then he he comes back the very next week and it's it's like he completely just revamped himself. I've never seen anything like it, at least in Buffalo. Um, That's not really saying much. But (laughs) I've never seen anything like that from a quarterback perspective. But he has routinely done it throughout his career. And that was the biggest reason why I thought, okay, this guy is is going to get on the horse here eventually. Because he he has that sort of mentality in him. And so when you see those little flashes in previous weeks – and then knowing what he's capable of in a one practice week setting, a, a result like this was always possible and another great job by him. And that's what you were hinting at when we did the podcast last week after the Miami game because you were basically saying like there are things that they absolutely need to clean up. However, the difference between the first half of the game and the second half of the game was noticeable, and he was looking more like the player we grew accustomed to in the second half. And this is a way bigger picture, but all of the things you just said, this isn't really relevant today, but those are the reasons why I'm sure this front office was comfortable giving this guy the contract that they did. Because if you realize the self-awareness that Josh Allen has in his game and the work ethic that he has shown, they realize that also. And that's super important, because in the NFL... You know, it's such a cliche, but they pay the guys on the other side too. They pay the coaches on the other side too. And every once in a while, you're going to have a down day. You're going to have a down couple weeks. And that's what we saw because the bar is so high. But today he bounced back. That's a good sign. And once again, now I think they're trending in the right direction. And like we've said time and time again on this podcast, with a good defense and an offense, not you don't even need to play like this, obviously, every week. But if you're somewhere between what you were last week and where you are this week, you're talking about a really, really good team. Yeah, um, I, I think last week their offense fell flat. It, uh, their passing offense, yeah. and it, I know what drive you're talking. That one drive in the second half. I don't think that one drive in the second half saved their passing offense's day. No, I, I think I think it was a lot. Of, it was just better than what they had done in the first half. Yeah, there. I mean, I mean, it's hard not to. It's hard right? not to. The one play on that drive in particular, I think it was the first play right out of the half. Cole Beasley. It was the Cole, Cole Beasley, 22 yards up the middle. And that was the the sign, of, because Miami was in zone on that play. And that was the sign of what could be in this game and where Josh Allen needed to take his game. Like even 
other times on that singular drive, he did not look great. Like he threw a ball behind Emmanuel Sanders, which could have been a big gain was, later in that drive. There was the Devin Singletary wheel route as well yep. along the sideline. And I think I think for me what was happening to him was he was just falling off his throws and he wasn't throwing with an even base. And he doesn't always have to throw with a perfect base because that's sometimes what makes him so so good because yeah. he can he can complete those passes against the odds. But when you're falling off your throws and you're not throwing the ball with zip and you're putting touch on it and allowing the accuracy to wane and giving the giving the uh, the opponent the chance to pick off the pass, then that's not a good look for you whatsoever. So you know that uh, that that from that drive from that game kind of frustrated me because I think a lot of people looked at that like, oh look, they're they're fine. Look look at them on that drive. They're not. They were not. They were they were broken as a passing offense and they showed a semblance of life. And they needed to they needed to capture what was good from that drive, isolate it, and continue on, which is what they did. Yeah. So I think from here on out, like you said, they don't need to be perfect offensively as as a passing offense. And honestly they're not going to be going up against a linebacking core and a secondary that um, has some weaknesses like this Washington team. You know, I think this Washington team, yeah, their defensive line is great. And I that had I, there. I had high hopes for them coming into the season as a full-on defense. But after watching the, them on film through two weeks, it was like, whoa, what's going on with the linebackers and, and the corners? Like, there, there's some legitimate weakness there. And there was reasons why you felt like Josh Allen could have, yeah, as you said, a get-right game. Because if you were able to at least handle the defensive line from Washington, as the Bills did today, there was going to be opportunities. I don't know that they did. I, I don't know that they did handle him. I mean, they didn't have a sack, but I think that might have been a lot. I mean, the offensive line did a nice job, mm-hmm. but... I think Allen did a really nice job in sidestepping some pressure. There were some reps where Daryl Williams just just got the first crushed. It felt like the first drive of the game. They were creating havoc yeah. for Josh Allen. And that's why it was such an impressive start was because he was running off of his base and he was making throws that make him such a special player ultimately. I, I wonder if like we just collectively just stopped paying attention to it as the game went on because Allen was, was sidestepping so yeah. it so, so so capably. Like, this is why I often... Gotta watch the tape. <laughs> yes. I often decline on really hammering into whether or not the offensive line was good or bad right after the game just because I can't tell you how many times where I've thought one thing about the offensive line mm, yeah. and then I watch the tape and I'm like... Oh, crap. I was wrong about that. It is easier, though, at least from my perspective. And I don't watch quite as closely as you do when you go through all the film. I don't watch nearly as close as what you do. But it's easier to tell when they play bad than when they play good. Yeah. I mean... That's obvious. Yeah. That's obvious. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, So I I would like to see what they did. But I uh, I think this performance was Josh Allen. Just this was all him. And... What he was able to dice up and how he was able to get um, his his top three targets involved, uh, I think a, a very low key thing about the Bills that they needed to fix that didn't get a ton of publicity. I think I know what you're going to say, but they 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 got it right. Was they needed to get Cole Beasley going? I knew it. I knew that's what you were going to say. But I had him highlighted right here as you were saying that because when they were uh, through the first two weeks. Here, here's a stat for you. Last year, Cole Beasley in the regular season games that he played averaged three and a half first downs per game. His the first two weeks he had three total, and he had zero against uh, against Miami. Mm-hmm. So, when you have such a uh, such a disparity there, you almost knew that Beasley needed to be a focal point, especially against his own defense, because he's better against his own than man defense, in my opinion. Because he's able to settle in soft spots, he knows he knows how to work against a linebacker over the middle of the field. So when you have all of these different things working in your favor, getting him involved to the degree that they did was great. And the results: five first downs counted for seventeen point two percent of their first downs today. Um, and that's just another sign of of Allen needing to get on the same page with his receivers, 
Like Beasley's average depth of target last week against the Dolphins was 2.8 yards. This week it got it brought, it was brought back up. Um, which, by the way, 2.8 yards was tied for the lowest average depth of target in his Bills career. Um, this week it it was brought up to six yards, uh, six yards per target. Um, so it was, it was trending in a better direction and certainly he was able to get some yards after the catch too. So getting him going was, was a big thing, I think. And obviously, and this is one of the things that comes with having an all pro wide receiver. I'm talking about Stefan Diggs. I'm not talking about Cole Beasley here, but Stefan Diggs draws so much attention. And when you have the receiver group that the bills have, and you have the options of Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders and Stefan Diggs, you know, if you're going to take so much attention and put it on Stefan Diggs, that is going to give you at times favorable matchups with Cole Beasley and with Emmanuel Sanders. And I think that's one of the reasons that Josh had such a good day today was because when that was given to him, he took advantage of it. And that's something we haven't seen to the extent that we saw today these last couple weeks. I mean, Gabriel Davis had one catch. It was a really big play. It was the you know, first first drive of the game. 23 yards. 23 yards. Really nice pass. It was his only target as well. Also, Dawson Knox trending up. <laughs> trending up. I mean, he had been. Uh, he has been very consistent for them. Um, they knew very early on into camp, I think, that he was going to play a big role for them and how he responded from a pretty down second year. Yeah. And getting him going to the manner that they have is... It's a very good thing. Also, his touchdown was a push off, but still counts. It was. Uh, it was. It was a pretty, pretty obvious push off. Either way, uh, he's had a, a very nice start to a season. His blocking has been better this year, so we'll see if he can keep this thing going. But um, getting, getting them going, and how prolific they were uh, on those three receiver sets again. Like, it's just. It's so... It's like they listened to the first podcast. <laughs> it's so obvious what what they're best at and what's their bread and butter. Like when they... They had three receivers, one tight end, one running back, which we call 11 personnel. Um, they had that on the field for, I believe, 61 out of 75 snaps that weren't penalties or, dang, or, dang. or kneel That's downs. Fun. And on those 61 plays, they averaged 7.2 yards per play, which is ridiculous yeah it's 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 obscene and it's pretty similar to what they averaged yards per play um uh last last year in those in those formations so when you have that working i mean their their top three again was Diggs, beasley and sanders you know davis really didn't have a, a ton of time in 11 personnel more so as a blocker than he was as a as a, a route runner mm-hmm. um mckenzie had like five kumaro had like three so it, it's very clear what the pecking order is but going back to that i don't have the play action numbers this week but i i would i would be willing to bet they were over 35 percent on early down play action and well. once again you do not need to be a good running team to have success when you're running play action and right. that was evident again today yeah. and i want to put you on the spot but as we put a bow on the offense as we put a bow on the josh allen conversation i think the easy answer would be the emmanuel sanders touchdown on the first drive of the game but are there any specific throws or any specific plays that stand out yeah, when you're correct. like that is why this guy is so good <sighs> Uh, yeah, it was one where he sidestepped, where Darrell Williams blew his block. Um, he sidestepped a pressure, made the linebacker, I think it was Cole Holcomb, come off his spot because he was afraid of Josh Allen running. Running, And then he, he threw, he watched Cole Beasley take up the vacated spot of where Cole Holcomb was, or it might have been the other linebacker, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, and then you know, fired it kind of across his body over the middle of the field for a first down. That was, to me, um, I don't know, he's got a howitzer for an arm uh-huh. and, and he has all of these different throws that you can point to. But that, to me, was more of the next level quarterbacking that I think can make him a special player for a long time as opposed to just, oh, look at how look at how strong his arm is sort of yeah. thing. So that, that's probably the one that stood out for me. What about you? I think for me, it was the second Emmanuel Sanders touchdown. And no pun, I got to watch the tape. But it felt like from watching it live, that was like his third read. And he was trying to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. He broke off that read. Then it looked like he was trying to find Dawson Knox. 
Knox wasn't available, and then he saw Sanders in the back of the end zone, and that is when the arm strength comes into play because he was able to fit it into a pretty tight window and just send an absolute missile to Emmanuel Sanders. And the game was pretty much already away at that point, but still, seeing that with where they were on the field and him being able to make that throw was a positive sign. Yeah, progressions and getting through them. That was one of getting away from his first read quickly enough was an area that he... um, he actually said in a press conference setting that he needed to do a better job of. I thought he did. Um, I'll see if if that holds up on the film. I'm very sure that it did yeah. <laughs> because of what we wound up seeing today. But but yeah, Josh Allen was was excellent uh, in this game, uh, bar none. Uh, defensively, this was another just excellent performance by by basically the entire unit and they had some specific challenges but they also had an opportunity um taylor heineke great story has had a ton of adversity throughout his career he's 28 years old this was his first career road start um and you know he has shown some some really He's he he's got some gamesmanship to him where yeah, where he can he, he can he can stay competitive. He extends some plays, sure. he makes some nice throws, but once again, he is a young in the terms of experienced yeah. quarterback playing in his first road game. And I think what you were going to say, I don't want to interject here, but I think you were going to say that the Bills defense needed to make his life a living hell and yeah. force him into making mistakes, and they did. Well, there was a a, a pretty pretty singular tell from him on film is that he is very, very hellbent on making that first read happen. And if that first read does not happen, then it's us- it usually results in him either checking it down or him going into scramble mode. There are exceptions to the rule, uh-huh. but more often than not, if you... If you give him if you give him that first read, he's gonna take it. And if it's not there, he's he's gonna he, he's gonna try to improv. But what I thought the Bills had a chance to do was to, you know, make him do the whole check down thing, but also disguise some coverages because they've been playing together and in this defense for such a long time to where they know where they need to be, how how uh, how much they can disguise a coverage pre-snap. And then to get back to what they need to do, or maybe passing off a receiver from a cornerback to a safety. There was one play in particular I remember where Heineke thought he had his first read coming from the left side to the right side of, of the field, and then all of a sudden Micah Hyde broke on it like a bat out of hell, and uh, and Heineke like panicked because he saw Hyde right at the last second as he was about to throw it, and then that resulted in a, in a negative play for Washington. Yeah, I think so, it was like it was like a second and four, and it became like third and five right, or something right, like that. Right. So these were the opportunities that they had. I you know the interceptions. If they went up by a bunch of points, I. I was of the belief that the interceptions were going to come because then he would get desperate, start throwing the ball up. up. And that's exactly what happened. So they had a great game plan for him. Sean McDermott, notoriously. um, Well against young quarterbacks. Young and inexperienced quarterbacks. That's that's kind of one of his things. It's uh, he and Bill Belichick do an extremely good job of that. And, you know, they once again, uh, they they showed that Heineke has a long way to go if he's going to if he's going to be a, a long term starting quarterback. And I think I think they expose the fact that he's it's probably not going to happen. Now let him. me ask you something because this is something we've spent so much time talking about after the Miami game, and you made it clear that you wanted to see how they would do against an offensive line that you know wasn't uh-huh. Miami. Yep. They get one sack today, and once again, I knew I know sacks don't tell the entire story, and the sack came on a scramble where Starletulule touched him before he ran out of bounds. He might that 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 sack might get taken away. So, they either finished with one sack or zero sacks. Mm-hmm. However, comma, I believe Fairburn used to say that. It felt like they were still getting there at times and that was leading to mistakes and that was leading to other strong plays from the defense. At your first glance, what did you think of the pass rush today? Uh Honestly, I wasn't even like I wasn't even watching them that that extensively today. 
I was more so interested in how the secondary was handling them uh-huh. because you kind of have to pick and choose what what you're watching snap to snap. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that I have a good answer for you, and I, I'm I'm sorry to our listeners because because you know usually usually have a good idea, but it, again, it's like the offensive and defensive line is just a wild frontier until you can like really start to see what happened in there. Uh-huh. Then it's it's tough to really know like. I, I didn't I didn't know that I I would say after watching the film last week against Miami that I thought Ed Oliver like did not have a great day. Yeah. I, I I did not anticipate that, but you know he was just blatantly average in that game. So I, I will say their run defense I was very impressed by. Really good because um, Antonio Gibson is legit. Yeah, he's legit, and their offensive line is is a an above average unit, and they have perhaps the best guard in the game in Brandon Scherf. Uh, who you know momentarily went out after he ran into the wall with the uh, Sabres jersey there. Every <laughs> time you see the Sabres jersey, something bad happens. <laughs> you know, you know well about that. Um, but they they have a a pretty good unit from left to right, and their defensive line played really well together. They held running back carries to three point six yards per carry. Uh, between Gibson and McKissick, and one of those runs was like an eleven yard. Yeah, run it was, it was a, it was it was a, a shot play. It was a it was a shotgun where where uh, the Bills were expecting pass, and and Washington ran it, and and, and not for nothing. It, 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 once again, small sample size. We're talking about three games. Najee Harris, they shut down. Miles Gaskin last week, they shut down. He sucks. Antonio Gibson, <laughs> <laughs> just being honest. Just being honest. Uh, Antonio Gibson. They shut down asterisks except for the one big play. But but that was a screen. But that was a screen pass. That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, that's not that's not the run defense. Um, yeah, they they really impressed me in this game, and I think it was one of the most impressive parts of their defensive performance today because I really thought that this Washington team would have the ability to move the ball on the ground with the offensive line that they had. But they were unable to, uh, and the Bills did it with their rotation. Like I, I broke down the snap, the snaps of of you know uh, when guys were on the field um, for running back carries, and I think every single defensive lineman had at least six attempts. I want to say, and the guy who was on the field for the lowest yards per carry was actually Justin Zimmer. And I think it was like 2.17 yards per carry or something along those lines. Um, so it was just left to right, a good, good effort. Um, really impressed by the defensive tackles. And it just goes to show that I don't think that they need to make any changes as far as the inactives go. I know a lot of people before the game were like, why isn't F.A. Obata active? Why isn't Boogie Basham active? Not a lot of people I, asked about Harrison Phillips. But Basham... I don't see Basham getting into this rotation no, anytime soon. No, no, he's not good enough. Um, uh, unless somebody gets hurt. No, e- even once then. Once again, even then, I guess Obata would come in. Yeah, Obata, Obata is a lot ahead of Boogie Basham. Um, Obata was a slight disappointment in week one, and... You know, he doesn't play special team snaps. There's just no way to justify him being on the game day roster when they have eight defensive linemen who are playing as well as they are right now. So, um, and so- also don't take this as like Boogie Basham is a bust, right? Because he's not. Because AJ, well, we don't know that yet, but AJ Epinesa was in the same position last year. They had a rotation and it took AJ Epinesa a little while to ultimately get into the lineup. Yeah, it did. Uh, the fortunate thing for Epinesa last year was that the depth ahead of him kind of stunk. Yeah. Um, and, and Trent Murphy was not good. Uh, but the, I think Trent Murphy has been mentioned at least once in all three episodes this year. Well, I mean, for good reason. <laughs> it's been They've been leagues better. And then Basham is behind not only the four guys who are game day active, but also the fifth defensive end who is a healthy scratch. Yes. So there is a chance that Boogie Basham is not active this year if if their injuries go their way, which I know some people would be a little bit peeved by, but... Yeah, but you're talking, and this is, not to cut you off, but once again, we're talking about a team that a lot of people think is a contender, and we're so used to, for the last, you know, 
20 years, however long it's been, just assuming that a second round pick is going to get significant playing time because the rosters have not been good and they've had to get significant playing time. Yeah. However, I, I, I also don't want to completely, uh, give him a pass. I don't want to give the bills a pass because a second rounder probably should be impacting should be contributing in, in his rookie season. Like Spencer Brown is active every single week. And if something happens to one of the, the top two tackles, He's he's going to step in. Yeah, he's getting in there. Like, Boogie Basham is nowhere close to playing right now. He doesn't do any special teams. Um, like It's it's not, and I didn't even realize we'd be going on Boogie Basham rant today. But So random. <laughs> but the thing is, you conceivably, you should be getting more out of your second round pick in, in the rookie season. So I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's just because they have a great team. But, like, it that's partially the reason. But... A big part of the reason is that Boogie Basham isn't ready to play. Yeah. And and that's that's what it really boils it down can, to. It can be both. It can be the team is good and also he should be better. Yeah. It can still be a mistake if, you know, he ultimately doesn't pan out. Yeah. It is also still way too early to know if that happens. Yeah. I mean, think about who's dressing ahead of him. Um, and it, from a defensive end perspective, it makes sense. But, like... Justin Zimmer is dressing ahead of him. Basham should be ahead of F.A. Obata. He should. It's just, I mean, they 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 gave like a a very small one year deal to F.A. Obata, and and he's he's not. He's the sixth defensive end at, at the moment. But anyway, let's let's get away from Boogie Basham uh, because defensively they have brought it, and this game, at least for me, was the. Uh, the evidence of where you started to get the counting stats as to why Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are so good. They're good and why they're so important to this roster. Micah Hyde does more for this defense without anyone knowing it than you could even imagine. Like, nobody throws it deep on the Bills in early in the game and they rarely get one on the bills because he is usually in the deep middle or he's he's in or when they're in cover two and and he's back back there roaming on one side of the field like he makes all of these things possible that they're able to do whether it be unique blitzes varying up your coverages disguising coverages Uh hides presence is so important to the Bills, and he is so undervalued, even still in his fifth year with the team. So, yeah, he, this him getting an interception today, it's only his third in three years. I mean, that is not commensurate to the type of player he is. He is, he is an outstanding player. So, two years ago, when we were still in the locker room, Micah Hyde, I don't remember exactly the game. I don't, there might, I don't remember exactly what it was. But Micah Hyde ran up to the linebackers and legitimately moved, I think, Matt Milano to the other side of the field. Mm-hmm. And Matt Milano had like the easiest sack in NFL history. And I remember I went up to Hyde the next day. I think it was Monday in the locker room. And I asked him, like, what did you see there? that made you move Milano to get that sack. And he basically was like, well, we saw this in film study, and I knew that if I was going to do this, that they would come to this side. It was just like such a crazy detailed response. And it was like, he was so aware of what was happening on the field. Mm -hmm. And kind of from that moment, not we knew before that, you know, how good Micah Hyde is, but... There are so many little things that he picks up on, and that he you watch a, you know when you're watching the game on TV, it's a little harder to see because you're not looking necessarily always at the safeties. Mm-hmm. But pre-snap, he's pointing people on where they're supposed to go. He's telling people what they're going to happen on off. It's just he's really good, and he said it so many times that the chemistry that he has with him and Poyer, like they know where each other is going to be basically at all times. Mm-hmm. He's he's good. Also, Matt Milano stood out today too because he's really good. Also, yeah, like yeah. it's like every game basically. Yeah, he he was he was a superstar against Miami. I mean, there, he he quite honestly did. Matt Milano. Yeah, yes. superstar. Um, I'll take you on a on a trip to the way back machine. Back in 2017, Micah Hyde's first year, first year in Buffalo, first year with the Bills. There was a game where 
the Atlanta Falcons. It uh, was it was two, on the road. Two picks that day. Right. And they kept trying to force the ball down the field um, and tried and kept trying to test him. And because he was such a presence in that deep middle, he has essentially since then backed teams off from from testing them deep. That is why this guy is as important as he is, and that's why they're able to do what they can. And, and it's why the Bills are able to keep all of this short stuff in front of them, and there's not going to be a ton of chunk plays unless someone in the zone tr- play, plays a hunch and, and they get lopped they off and, the and, there's, and there's yards after the catch. So by all means, Micah Hyde has been outstanding for them and has been for a long time. And, uh, you know, he got an interception today, so he gets credit. Yeah. Um, but every single game, like, he he grades out as either anywhere from a B-plus to an A for me because he's just he's just there. He takes stuff away, and it's just so subtle. But un- unless you're looking for it, you're you're gonna you're gonna miss it. And Tredavious White had a nice day today, also. At least from my first glance, like it felt like once again he was just solid, and that's what you want from your star corner. And he forced the fumble, which yeah. was a big play. Yeah, huge play. I'm interested how often they played man coverage against Washington, um, just because they did vary up some of their coverages. Mm-hmm. So that's that's something to dig into as well. All right, I, I say we get into some awards here uh, because you know. It's about that time. Uh, the Bills, of course, defeating Washington by a lot of points. 22. So we will first go with the negative awards just to kind of get them out of the way. Uh, the first one will be the Dre Archer Award for the player that did not show up today. Matt Beauvais, who do you have? You know, it's tough because I said how important of a play it was, but I am going to... Ooh, maybe I, I might change here. Just take one. I'm going to take Devin Singletary. Okay. He was pretty lackluster today. It's fair. Completely fair. And he was outsnapped by Zach Moss today. Yes. Um, he, I believe the final splits were 55.7% to 43.2% because there was one play where they did not have a running back on the field. Um, so, so yes, um, throughout the whole game, Zach Moss outsnapped Devin Singletary today and Moss was the better player. So yeah. I, I'm with you there. My Dre Archer award goes to Isaiah McKenzie as a return man. Um, what the heck was he doing on the kickoff? He misjudged it and then panicked, let it hit and let it bounce in front of him. It went ha- haywire. Uh, and, and it, obviously went into Washington's hands. Yeah. They were able to to scoop it up. They score on that drive. They get into within a, a touchdown, touchdown after the Bills were thoroughly dominating the game. It was like in two minutes and 20 seconds. Totally, on, I, points. totally yeah. on Isaiah McKenzie. But it goes deeper than that because there are two different punt returns where he screwed up. One of which he was out way far from the goal line, decided to let it bounce. It takes a really nice Washington bounce. And they end up downing it within the ten yard line against the Bills, and that's that's one that he needs to fair catch or try to make a play on it. He needs to do something other than what he did, and then maybe even overcompensating for that one, a punt later in the game. Isaiah Mc- McKenzie uh, called for a fair catch. He was standing at his own seven yard line. After he fair catches it, he looks around There's and like, visibly frustrated. There were no Washington special teams players around him to tackle him. So that very easily could, and it wasn't even near the, the sideline either. It was more so towards the hash marks. And so that ball very easily could have went into the end zone for a net gain of 18 yards. But he instead fair caught it. So those were three mistakes by him. And the sneaky thing here is Marquez Stevenson has been doing some pretty strenuous running workouts over the last few weeks. He is eligible to return as of this week. He has already served three games. So I don't think they have a roster spot for him. But if these struggles continue, and it's not even as though McKenzie has a huge role on the offense anymore. It's like somewhere between 10 to, to 20 snaps every single game. So if he struggles... And Stevenson provi- or presents a potential upgrade at the position, then you know he could lose his job. 
we're we're a bit away away from yeah. that. And if you think we're being nitpicky here, like once again, I'm not. Talk, no, but we're we're talking about a 22 point win. But this ultimately can these kind of mistakes can ultimately be the difference in a game against a more you know formidable opponent. Three critical error. Well, one critical error. Two, two two subtle errors. Two mistakes. And and that cost them yards. Mm-hmm. So needs to be better. Um so yeah, that's it. Okay, how about the Vontae Davis award for the player that did not show up in the second half? This is gonna be tough, I think. Gabriel Davis. Yeah, sure. Because he did not, not have any targets, or you know, that makes it obvious, but he didn't have not, not have any targets in the second half. After the first drive of the game, he did not see another target all day. That's not necessarily his fault. I think that's just kind of with who was on the field, but it makes it easy for us. Yeah, I mean, Davis is an afterthought in the offense, and I know that is good. Pro- prom- good, good problem to have. Yeah, I also think he's a little overrated. If I'm honest, I, I think he's he's a good player, but oh. I don't think he's like. I I think some people have an idea of what he is. As as like this potential starting player, I don't think he's there yet. I don't think he's he's as good of a route runner as um, as you would like for a starting player. Uh, but he still presents some matchup problems to where if you needed to start him, he could probably have some success with a quarterback yeah. like Josh Allen. Yeah. So I uh, you know I, I think we have the clear when they're going to be an eleven personnel. Yeah. It's going to be Diggs, Sanders, and Beasley. Yeah, without and then, question. And then when you go four wide. You're probably going to bring him out into the field. Maybe you're going to bring or Isaiah McKenzie, McKenzie yep. depending yeah. on what you're trying to do. The disparity between snaps between Sanders and Davis has been just com- completely one-sided to Sanders over the first three weeks. So there's not really uh, a thing there. Uh, Vontae Davis Award. Oh, God. I don't, there's not really any meat on the bone here. I mean, they were, they were great today uh, by and large. Got nothing. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't have one. I think we're just gonna chalk that up as a loss. Um, and that's that means they played well. Yeah, <laughs> that's they, a good sign. They they played really stinking well. Um, okay, the gotta watch the tape award for what you need to. You know, sometimes this is in jest, sometimes yeah. it's not. So what do you got, Bobet? I know what you're gonna take, so I'm not going to do it. No, you can take it. I don't care. I'll think, I'll figure something out. No, I'm gonna do. Can I do a unit? Sure. So I think you're. I, I was assuming you were going to take Daryl Williams. I'm going to take the offensive line as a whole because, as we said, they didn't give up any sacks. So on paper, that looks good. But there was also a lot of opportunities that Josh Allen, you know, extended plays, and that you know helps them a lot. And I think that that's okay. Like, trust me. Two weeks ago, we were standing in this, sitting in this exact same room, talking about how poor the offensive line played against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think Washington has a really strong defensive line, and the Bills did, you know, a good job against them today. But like we said, you don't really know until you watch the tape. I mean, feel free to steal my stuff. I don't care. No, 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 no. because I wouldn't have thought of it if you didn't say it. So the only reason I'm thinking of Daryl Williams is because you were like, "Yeah, Daryl Williams got beat on this, this, and this." Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I don't, I, I mean, the offensive line on the whole, yeah, that's that's something to watch the tape on. I gotta watch the tape on Ed Oliver. I'll, I'll, I'll sidestep since you since you took the whole offensive line. Yeah, he really didn't impress me against Miami. Um, I would I would like to see how he did this time around. Whether or not he was a bit more impactful as a pass rusher because he was not against Miami, and yeah. then um, certainly his run defending as well. I want to see how well he stood up against um, uh, you know occupying blockers whenever he was at one technique and. Uh, and if he was making some impactful plays that way, knifing through the line like he did against the Steelers, yeah. So we'll, we'll go, we'll go at Oliver. All right, the Matt Barkley Award for the player that caught you by surprise today for a good reason. Um, I'm going to go with Dawson Knox because once again, I think he's playing a big role in this offense. I think he's doing a lot of good things. You already mentioned that the. Run blocking is improved. He made a great catch on that touchdown. It was a push-off, but still a great catch. Uh, and maybe the highlight of the day was the celebration with Josh Allen afterwards. <laughs> Big fan of the Prompo celebration. That was very, very good. So they're in lockstep with the celebrations, which uh, it, you know leads to good things on the field. I'm going to go with Matt Hawk, the punter, because why the hell not? Uh, 
He. I still think his name should be pronounced Hack. Well, I know that his, it's not, but I still think it's way his, cooler. His loved ones would take issue with you right now. <laughs> I bet they would. Matt Bove. <laughs> Come on. Well, <laughs> come on. You set yourself up, Bove. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm just kidding. Buscaglia. Uh, well, Bove. Um, I think. I. I mean, he, he had a he had a nicer day today, and certainly the uh, the ball that he he dropped in it's where where Washington was like, oh yeah, I mean it's it's at the 15, just gonna let it roll, rolled right down to the one yard line. It was a it was a beautiful punt. Still think I still think he needs to quicken his pace up a little bit, uh, but you know as long as he's aiming his punts the way that he is he's he's doing a nice job and you know i don't know if you know this about me i'm one for the punt of palooza oh i know you are so hawk stop, it up stop watching hand hawk it up um all right and the last one is the blaine gabbert matthew fairburn award for perseverance yeah this is an easy one today go ahead this is josh allen Josh Allen had two weeks where he did not look like himself. He did not play to the caliber he's able to play. As I said on the podcast last week, he was an oatmeal raisin cookie. You're going to take an oatmeal raisin cookie, but there are a ton of cookies that are better. Today he was better. This was an all-out chocolate chip cookie performance today, Joe. He was really good. Really good. I joked. I tweeted, congrats to Josh Allen on the AFC Offensive Player of the Week after he scored his fifth touchdown, and I fully expect that that's probably going to come to fruition. No, yeah, it is. I mean, Mahomes lost. Uh, Justin Herbert might be in consideration. Yeah, he had three, but he only had, not only, but he had like 270 yards. Obviously, that's still a really nice day. No, Allen's going to get it. But he's going to get it. And he was, and he's deserving of it because he played lights out tonight. Yeah, Allen is a a good one for this. So I feel like I need to go like ridiculous with mine. Um, I thought the like under the radar one would be Cole Beasley. No, 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 no. We 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 chatted about Cole Beasley. Yeah. We're gonna go with Tommy Sweeney. Tommy (laughs) Sweeney. Not only did he set his season high for snaps, he was he was working into some eleven personnel snaps. Two catches (laughs) for two two yards. Get a hold of it. He had half the receptions of Dawson Knox. Tommy Sweeney for the Blaine Gabbert, Matthew Fairburn Award for Perseverance, getting in on the offense, making it count. Two targets, a hundred percent completion rate to Tommy Sweeney. That's perseverance for sitting on the bench for most of the first two weeks. What's amazing is that when you look at his stats, two targets, two receptions, two yards, long. One. Yep. <laughs> One yard is yeah. the long play for Tommy you're, Sweeney. You're damn right. He's consistent. Yeah. So yes, that's a word. So Tommy Sweeney, he's uh, he played today. Zach Moss had a nice <laughs> little day too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. He he let him in snaps, but that was too obvious. Yeah. You know, I I've I've had this feeling that the awards have been a little too serious. So in the spirit of the awards. We have to go to the land of ridiculous sometimes. Yes. And, and so, yeah, Tommy Sweeney. Come. It's easier to do that. It's named after much. Blaine Gabbert, for God's sake. Yeah. I had this big plan, the first podcast, to, you know, like go back to a great Blaine Gabbert day and basically start my life on the podcast by saying, like, this is the most impressive performance I've seen since insert day here. It doesn't exist. But, you know, the Bills got stomped and it also, the limit does not exist. No, it, no, the, the, the game that you're talking about does not exist. Actually, he probably had one. Maybe at like Mizzou. Yeah, yeah, he was a real American hero back then. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, all right. I think that's gonna do it. Uh, the Bills are now two and one. They are third in the AFC, behind only the undefeated Las Vegas Raiders and the Tennessee Titans, who are two and one. Uh, they the Titans currently hold the tiebreak. Um, real quick. I, yes. AFC West. Uh-huh. It's not going to end like this. However, comma. Denver 3 and 0. Vegas 3 and 0. Denver 3 and 0 too. So Denver so, be so Denver 3 and 0. Vegas 3 and 0. Chargers 2 and 1 with the tiebreaker against the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. So the Chiefs are in last place in the division and it's basically a game and a half that they're back. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. So actually, Buffalo would be fifth based on NFL Jesus right now because um, 
Denver and Las Vegas are both undefeated. Cincinnati at two and one is ahead of the Bills, probably because of common games because they beat the Steelers. And then Tennessee um, is ahead of the Bills, so Bills would be fit, but that doesn't matter right now. Who does Kansas City play next week? Uh, I don't know. Um, but we do know the Bills play the Houston Texans and Davis Mills neck. Chiefs so. play, uh, yeah, protect your neck. Uh, Chiefs play the Eagles next week. So, like, they're going to win. So they're going to be 2-2. Two and two. You know, not getting ahead of ourselves, but wouldn't it be something if the Bills, you know. The Bills opened up as 17-point favorites against Houston. That is crazy. Yeah. yeah. 17 points? 17. They're home. They're going up against a rookie quarterback who – did not look great. The entire Houston offense and the entire Houston team is just kind of bad. And yeah, and b- the Bills are playing really well right now. So 17 points. So what was that game when they beat Minnesota back in 20? Was that a six? They were 16 and a half point there was, underdogs? There was, that was 2018. That's the game when he hurdled. And, yeah. Yeah. Anthony Barr. I can't remember how, what I that I think what they were like was. 16 and a half point dogs. It was. So never say never. Obviously. Trey Lance just scored a touchdown. Anyway. Um, yeah. 17 points. It's a lot of points. And I think that number might go up. No. I think people are going to bet the Bills. Yeah. That's, I, that's crazy. Have you watched Houston? I watched on Thursday. Um, that whole game was just a mess, though. Yeah. It was just a big pile of slop. Mm-hmm. I... <sighs> I, I think it's honestly like betting wise, I never touch anything that that has that big of a line. That scares me. People are going to bet the bills. Like I even thought this week was too big of a line, which in hindsight you learn everything, oh, but God, eight no. and a half, I was like eh, eight and a half. Cause I always look no at it. Way. Like if the bills won 28 to 20, would you really say like, wow, the bills didn't play that good. As soon as I, as soon as I started watching the Washington film, I'm like, they're going to blow them out yeah. immediately. Sometimes you just you just spot. I'm, just, I'm a pessimist. You spot that stuff when, like you you know the team that you cover and you watch a ton of film on and where their strengths are, and then you see weaknesses forming and and how quickly those two like coincide with one another. I mean, Washington did not stand a chance and today. H- and Houston has lots of weaknesses. Yeah, I'm, I'm, who is the best player on the Houston Texans? Brandon Cooks. Wow. <laughs> I mean, he's good. He's really good. Yeah, he's good. He's a good player. He he would be. He would he would. Uh, I think I, he's better than Emmanuel Sanders. I was gonna say to be their second best wide receiver. Yeah, but he's also a different skill set than Cole Beasley. Yes, yes, like he is. very different. He would he would be closer to what Emmanuel Sanders is. Yes, with some more juice uh, on the go routes. Anyway, their running backs are David Johnson, Philip Lindsay, and Mark Ingram. Yep. Who is Mark Ingram the starter? I, I don't know. I don't, Find I, out this I, week, Joe. I, I don't. I don't think they know. Find out this week. So the the Bills will be up against the fight in Davis Mills, um, and another game of what could have been against a uh, former Bills starting quarterback, only to be denied. Yeah, we were so close. Yeah, so close to Fitz Tyrod, so, and then we get Heineke Davis Mills. Oh yeah, I for one cannot wait to watch Davis Mills try to play football. Um, all right, that'll do it for us. The Bills now 2-1 and one on the young season, looking very promising and uh, have a, a very winnable matchup up next before their their schedule gets serious and in a hurry. With, Andre Roberts' revenge game. I mean, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Taking one to the house. Sure. Are the Bills going to pump the ball to him is my question. There's like... A 40% chance. Right. Okay. I suppose I shouldn't talk in jest like this because maybe Houston has a little bit more to him than I'm thinking. That's just the... Yeah. The, we shall the, see. The diplomat in me. Okay. So the Bills are 2-1. and one. Next up, they'll take on the Houston Texans, who are 1-2. and two. Yes. It'll be at Highmark Stadium. And, uh, and leading up to the game, we will be doing a preview podcast that'll pop up on Thursday or Friday, get you ready for the game on Sunday. And then again, we'll, uh, me and Mr. Bove here, we'll, uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Uh, Mr. Bove here. We'll, uh, I'm not, no, don't call him Bove, everybody call him Bove. Um, 
we why w- the fake accent is there. <laughs> <laughs> we will uh, we will break down what happened uh, just as we do every single post game. All right. So for Matthew Beauvais. Thank you. Matthew. Should I just call you Matt? Uh, what do you prefer? Matt or, Matt or Matthew? Nobody uses it because everybody just calls me Beauvais. Okay. For, <laughs> for when, Ma- when I got into TV, they had me try both. They had me oh. try Matt Beauvais and Matthew Beauvais. And they liked Matt Beauvais. When you sign off on the air, you say Matt Beauvais? I say Matt Beauvais. Do your friends call you Matt Beauvais? No, they just call me Beauvais. Okay. But the joke is that when I started, I used to like yell Seven Eyewitness News. And I don't know why, but it'd be like, Matt Beauvais, Seven Eyewitness News. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. So now it's just like, yeah, my name's Matt. Back inside to you. All right. So for Matt Beauvais, uh, be sure to follow him at Matt underscore Beauvais uh, on Twitter. My name is Joe Bascalia. If you haven't yet, subscribe to The Athletic by heading to theathletic.com slash thebuffalobeat for a, uh, for a deal on your yearly subscription. And uh, we will talk to you when we get closer to the end of the week when the Bills take on the Texans. See you then.